Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up tonight, Microsoft search engine Bing has integrated with AI technology. At the same time, Google is working hard on its own AI chatbot, Bard. Who will win the war for search engine dominance? Ahead of President Biden's State of the Union address tonight, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy calling on the president and Democrats to negotiate on cutting spending. He says raising the nation's borrowing limit is possible, but it must be responsible. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says interest rates could go higher than previously thought this year, which markets will be affected the most if that happens. We talk with investment firm Oxbow Advisors. The control of Disney's Florida theme parks up in the air. Soon, it may lose its self-governing status, with the governor appointing board members instead. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Top story today, Microsoft versus Google. The AI war for search dominance is on. At a press conference today, Microsoft launched a supercharged version of its Bing search engine. It has fused the engine with OpenAI's ChatGPT technology. This makes it a more serious competitor to Google Search, which has really dominated the search engine space for decades. ChatGPT technology seems to be taking the world by storm. It's an artificial intelligence program that intelligently responds to any question or command all within seconds. People can get the answers they want far faster than digging through web pages. Many believe that the Bing and ChatGPT fusion could put Google search dominance at risk. Google currently has 93% of the global search engine market share. Bing is in second place, but only at 3% has a long way to go. In response to this threat, Google has ordered all of its employees to test its own AI chatbot. It's called Bard. Google's CEO told his employees he's looking forward to their feedback. So how likely is it for this Bing chat GPT hybrid to replace Google as the dominant search engine? Well, first, we just had to see what ChatGPT thinks. It responded saying, combining with Bing would not necessarily replace Google as the dominant search engine. Google has established itself as a leader in the search engine market and has a strong user base and brand recognition. Many factors like user preferences, market trends, and competition would need to be considered. And of course, we also asked AI experts what they think. Alexander de Ritter has been working in the field of machine learning since 2008. He says Google has an advantage when it comes to AI, partially because it has large swaths of user data, and AI is fueled by data. Look at Google Analytics. It is gathering data about your behavior online. If you look at Android, it is uh, looking at behavior on mobile browsers and and your mobile uh, uh, actions, interest, location that improve their search experience. If you look at uh, double click, it is not just an advertising play, but it's also understanding a content network that can serve advertising based on what you're currently browsing. Look at uh, Google Chrome. It understands everything, every site you are browsing. Google has data on it. The Ritter says Google can use all this data on its chatbot, Bard. That also includes large amounts of user data Google has from its search engine. 
The Reuters says another advantage Google has is that people have gotten used to using Google over the years because people are creatures of habit. Many are likely to continue using Google. Google has some of the most advanced AI models in the world that may even trump some of OpenAI's models. But time will tell because OpenAI models are available to us. We actually know their strengths and weaknesses, whereas Google's models are nice papers we have read and haven't had direct access to. We also talked to Adnan Masood. He's the chief architect for AI machine learning at UST. His PhD was in machine learning. He says it's too early to tell who's going to win the search engine war. But he also believes Google has an edge. BARD is based on Lambda, and if you remember, Lambda was claimed to be a sentient model. In terms of number of parameters and a model, the GPT-3, of course, has a much larger size, but if you look at Lambda's design and how the intent is it is built, the creating the correlation between words and predictions for what's going to come, in, come next, um, it has that edge. A limited version of the new and upgraded Bing is available today. For more information, you can go to bing.com. And Google is holding a live event tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, live from Paris. It will involve reimagining how people search for things. Moving on. An AI-generated sitcom parody of the hit 90s show Seinfeld was suspended after the AI-generated so-called offensive speech. What happened? And T.D. Sean Marshall has more. Recently, a parody of the comedy show Seinfeld called Nothing Forever received a 14-day suspension on February 6th on Twitch for a joke about transgenderism that Twitch said violated its terms of service agreement. What makes the situation different is that the show was created entirely by machine learning technologies, including Dolly, OpenAI, GPT-3, Stable Diffusion, and others that put text scripts into voice. These programs produce random scripts 24 hours a day. The show started in December 2022 and has started to gain popularity. It's actually a little hard to tell whether the AI is joking about liberals, conservatives, or trans people. For news purposes, we're showing you the canceled joke. So, this is my stand-up set in a club. There's like 50 people here, and no one is laughing. Anyone have any suggestions? I'm thinking about doing a bit about how being transgender is actually a mental illness or how all liberals are secretly gay and want to impose their will on everyone. Or something about how transgender people are ruining the fabric of society. But no one is laughing. I spoke with AI expert Sheree Zelser about opinions on whether AI-generated content should be held to human standards. As a, a marketer, as a user of AI, I think that um, a brand should be held responsible for what AI is used and generated in the content that it's creating. So um, I do think that we're seeing a rise in challenges from an ethical standpoint in using AI. What caused the problem was OpenAI's primary model for GPT-3, DaVinci, had been experiencing outages that were disrupting the broadcast. It was briefly replaced with a smaller and unregulated model, Curie, that produced the dialogue that caused the suspension. Zilser mentioned that we're seeing only one side of AI ethics now that chatbots are in the public spotlight. Beyond my side of the world, like AI generating algorithms or predictive models that may or may not use attributes that are okay to use from an ethical standpoint. Um, so there's a lot more 
internal monitoring that has to happen on a day-to-day -day basis now. Sean Marshall, NTD News. On to Wall Street. U.S. stocks closed higher after a choppy session following comments from the Fed Chair Jerome Powell. More on that in just a moment. The Dow gained 266 points or 0.8 percent. S&P added 53 points or 1.3 percent. Nasdaq rose 226 points or 1.9 percent. Meanwhile, more companies are laying off workers. Zoom today said it's cutting 1,300 people or 15 percent of its workforce as demand slows. It's also cutting pay for executives. During pandemic lockdowns, Zoom became popular because of its video conferencing tools. It increased hiring to meet surging demand, but now it's trying to reduce costs in case of a potential recession. And it's not just Zoom. Plainmaker Boeing also laying off workers. It confirmed Monday that it plans to cut 2,000 white-collar jobs this year in finance and HR. Boeing also said it's outsourcing a third of those jobs to India, and it will continue to simplify its corporate structure. California's governor is calling for an investigation into the energy sector. Gavin Newsom now asking the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to probe the recent spike in natural gas prices in his state. The FERC is the federal agency responsible for regulating wholesale natural gas. In a Monday letter, the Democratic governor requested that the agency assess whether market manipulation, anti-competitive behavior, or other anomalous activities are driving these ongoing elevated prices. Right now, millions of California families are battling against soaring gas utility bills. Prices have skyrocketed in the past month amid plunging temperature, temperatures and increased demand for heating. Alongside the letter, Newsom also announced that millions of Californians will soon see some relief in the form of $90 to $120 credits on their utility bills. Control of Disney's Orlando area theme parks may soon go to a board chosen by Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is looking to terminate Disney World's special self-governing status in a special legislative session this week. According to DeSantis's office, the legislation would impose a state-controlled, term-limited board appointed by the governor. The governor's office said the new law would eliminate Disney's authority to appoint its own board members. It's the latest in a year-long spat between DeSantis and Disney. DeSantis has frequently criticized Disney for backing leftist causes. Last spring, Disney objected to the Florida law that prohibits teaching sexual orientation to kindergarten kids. The bill is likely to pass the Republican-controlled legislature in the next couple weeks. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is rallying public support for a responsible increase in the nation's debt ceiling. In an address to the nation yesterday, he also called for a cut in federal spending. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. But at the end of the day, we're going to get spending reforms. McCarthy described the national debt as the greatest threat to the country's future. If we continue down this path, in the next 10 years, we will spend over $8 trillion just on interest. That's more than the entire federal budget this year by a lot. He says it eclipses inflation, illegal immigration, and China's infiltration of our culture. 
The government has consistently operated on a deficit budget for over 50 years. That makes it necessary to borrow continually to pay the nation's bills. McCarthy called for attacking what he called runaway federal spending. He is advocating for spending cuts and called on President Biden to join in the effort. A responsible debt limit increase that begins to eliminate wasteful Washington spending and puts us on a path towards a balanced budget is not only the right place to start, it's the only place to start. McCarthy assured Americans there would be no default on the nation's financial obligations and no threat to Social Security or Medicare. Meanwhile, Representative Kevin Hearn has outlined the policies Republicans are discussing in connection with debt ceiling negotiations. Those include rollbacks on non-essential spending, a cap on future spending, and paid-for tax cuts. Paid-for tax cuts are intended to have a neutral or positive effect on the budget. The theory is they will stimulate economic activity, thereby generating at least as much new tax revenue as was lost. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And Fed Chair Jerome Powell said today he expects a significant decline in inflation this year in an interview with the Economic Club of Washington. Though he did caution that these are very early stages of disinflation and that it has a long way to go before inflation reaches 2%. We expect 2023 to be a year of significant declines in inflation, and it's actually our job to make sure that that's the case. But I would tell you that, uh, you know, with inflation, headline headline uh, PCE inflation is running about 5%. This is on a 12-month basis. Core is running at 4.4. My guess is it will take certainly into not just this year, but next year to get down close to 2%. But Powell also acknowledged that if the job market further strengthens, the Fed might have to raise its interest rate higher than it now projects. The jobs report last week showed employers adding over 500,000 jobs in January. The Fed chair warned that the job market is still out of balance with strong demand for labor but not enough workers. Powell also said that he believed that the Fed could actually tame inflation without causing a deep recession and layoffs. And earlier, I spoke with Chance Finucane. He's the chief investment officer at Oxbow Advisors. We touched on a number of topics, including the Fed, recession, and the markets. Great to have you back, Chance. Uh, so the last time we spoke, uh, I asked you about whether you would see a recession this year. Now, the jobs report uh, last week, uh, above 500,000. Does that change your view on the outlook uh, of a recession? And keep in mind as well, Secretary Yellen said we can avoid a recession. What do you think? We still think that there will be a recession in 2023. That jobs report, while being a high number, there were a lot of new inputs and updates that had to get thrown into that one monthly report. So while it looked good on the headline number, I think we're going to be paying close attention to the next couple months of numbers to see uh, if that really sustains itself. Or, for instance, the Challenger job cuts number that recently got reported uh, was over 100,000 job cuts announced in January, which is take away the pandemic high. That was the highest you'd seen in nearly a decade for a single month. And I think that tells us that there, there may be more labor weakness to come later in the year. And Chance, given the jobs report, what do you think the Fed is thinking? Are they going to reassess? Some early comments that we've seen from Fed governors, besides Chairman Powell, seem to suggest that they're taking this as a sign that the economy is staying resilient and therefore they are fine with 
keeping policy tight and raising the Fed funds rate uh, at least another one or two times and maybe keep it at that higher level for longer than investors would like. So we would view it as them using it as an excuse to stay tight on policy and uh, really try to bring down inflation. What interests us for inflation going forward, inflation continues to come down and it will come down in the first quarter and the second quarter. But what interests us the most is uh, some research from a group that we respect a lot uh, is outlining in their projections. They see inflation getting down to just 4% in the headline CPI number in the second quarter. But what people may not expect is it could stay at that level just below 4% uh, through the rest of the year. And I think everyone's expecting that by the third quarter, fourth quarter, we could be headed back down to 2% CPI or lower. And yet, if we stay near that 4% level just because uh, wage growth and things like that are going to continue to keep a baseline level of inflation higher than we used to have before the pandemic, then that's going to put the Fed in a tough spot in terms of do they want to cut rates when inflation is still hanging around that higher level. And I would assume the Fed then would keep rates higher for longer. Which sectors do you think would be the most vulnerable? If rates stay higher for longer, there's two areas that we would focus on just based off what's rallied so strongly in the last few months. So. Uh, areas like consumer discretionary or tech would probably see a bit of a pullback just because uh, you might see more economic weakness. And if rates are higher, growth stocks that are not going to deliver cash flows for a long time would likely start to uh, weaken again. But the other area that you're starting to see a little bit of weakness uh, in the numbers or the uh, earnings that are being reported by the companies are more traditional cyclical areas like energy, industrials, financials, and materials. We would expect those areas, uh, that's typically where you see uh, late in a credit cycle when a recession kicks in, you'll see their earnings uh, start to roll over. And while that's not the case just yet, we think that might be uh, a bit of a weakness for them later in the year. And I'm looking at oil companies as well. We recently got some earnings reports and some of them very, very good. Do you think those are outliers? What are your thoughts? We would view that almost like they're reporting what happened in the past and they're going off against very difficult comparisons if you just look at the weakness in the oil price over the past seven eight months you're down i think somewhere between 35 or 40 percent in the wti oil price from the peak in the second quarter last year and that's going to be reflected in their earnings numbers going forward they'll still generate a good amount of cash flow but it's hard for energy to outperform in a recession because you are likely to see a lower and lower oil price which is what drives their profits we do think that in the very long term, oil will be a place that will want some exposure. But for right now, what we do own in the energy space are the most consistent cash flow generators like pipeline businesses and oil royalty businesses. Thank you, Chance Vanuken, Oxbow Advisors. Great having you on today. Thanks a lot. We're going to commercial now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, tickets for Beyonce's tour now on sale. We have tips on how to protect your money and avoid concert scams this year. And a charity in New Jersey collecting donations to help survivors of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. We hear from the charity's CEO. That and more coming up on NTD Business.
and welcome back. Queen Bee fans are buzzing with excitement. Tickets for Beyonce's Renaissance tour are now on sale, but there's growing concerns about concert scams. In this next story, we look at how to protect your money when buying tickets for Beyonce or any other live concert this year. All eyes on Ticketmaster as Beyonce's Renaissance tour tickets go on sale Monday for the first group of verified fans. And with desperate and eager fans taking to crowdfunding sites to raise money for the much-anticipated concert, the Better Business Bureau says scams are very likely. So beware before you buy into the frenzy. They're ignoring the red flags because they just want to get those tickets. And scammers are taking advantage of that. Meanwhile, lawmakers in Washington are all bracing for a possible repeat of the Taylor Swift pre-sale fiasco on Ticketmaster that left countless fans empty-handed. We apologize to the fans. And triggered a Senate hearing on the issue. The Senate Judiciary Committee tweeting at Ticketmaster, we're watching. First of all, there were fewer tickets to satisfy the demand. So that starts with problem. Ticketmaster says demand to register for a chance to buy tickets exceeded the number of available tickets by more than 800%, but says it's taking new measures to avoid another debacle, saying it will use verified fan technology to make sure more tickets go to fans and not resellers. Here's what the BBB recommends to avoid scams. One, only purchase from venues or legitimate sellers on their actual websites. Avoid buying on social media and verify trustworthy resellers and vendors on BBB.org. Two, watch out for fake websites. Right, so you think you're on Ticketmaster's website, but you really aren't. They'll copy and paste the same pictures and they'll just change the words of the name of the company by one or two letters in the URL. Three, only use protected payment methods. Don't pay cash, debit, or wire transfer and opt for a credit card instead since it may be easier to dispute fraudulent charges. The earthquake in Turkey and Syria and its aftermath have sent shockwaves around the world. People are raising money for relief and praying for the survivors. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. New Jersey charity Embrace Relief was busy collecting donations on Monday following the earthquake. The money will be used to pay for food, blankets, and other provisions for those impacted by the natural disaster. So uh, we have started our campaign at 11 a.m. Until now, uh, we have raised $45,000, and we are expecting more, and uh, we will have more funds. The month, uh, fund will go directly to the people who affected from this uh, earthquake. Many have lost their homes. Some are living in their cars. Losing this many, this many lives in an earthquake, to an earthquake, it's very sad. And, and right now, uh, the world is a like small village. Everyone knows what's happening in other part of the world. The seismic activity began in the early hours of Monday morning. Residents rushed outside in the rain and snow to escape falling debris. Those who were trapped cried for help. Right now, Turkey is going and Syria going through very difficult times with inflation and other things of that nature. A lot of migration going on in the area as well as conflict. So on top of all of these issues, it's just more strife that they're going through at this point. The powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake has rocked wide swaths of Turkey and neighboring Syria. The natural disaster toppled thousands of buildings and trapped residents under mounds of rubble. More than 5,000 fatalities have been recorded, and authorities fear the death toll will rise as rescuers search through the metal and concrete debris for survivors. Thousands more were injured. 
at this point in time, I really encourage all Americans to, you know, look outwards, learn about what's going on around the world. And in terms of helping Turkey and Syria right now, keep your eyes peeled for any relief organizations such as Embrace Relief or other ones that are close to you wherever you may be located. Major aftershocks continue to rattle the region. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's all the stories today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. I'll see you tomorrow.